When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Is This Real Life? A Bravo podcast that relates our favorite shows to our own lives and the world around us. I'm your host, Mandy Slutsker. Let's get to it. Hi, everyone. I hope you had a wonderful week. I wanted to start by stating that last episode, I definitely shared some incorrect information and my opinion that I shared was also very incorrect uh, based on that information that I had at the time, which was nothing. (laughs) So uh, when Brian Moylan and I started recording last week, we had heard that Carolyn Manzo filed a lawsuit against Bravo and the production company behind Ultimate Girls Trip, but none of the legal documents um, were made public at that point, and we didn't really know anything about it. And so we probably shouldn't have spoken about it, but we did anyhow. I was curious about his take, and you know, I had sort of something similar, but upon reading the legal documents and seeing what was in there, what Carolyn is describing is absolutely sexual assault. And so, you know, there is no excuse for that. If that is what happens, what she's alleging, then I really hope that the network, um, you know, makes her whole. I don't know what that means, if that's giving financial compensation, um, and then hopefully works to create a safer environment for talent, right, um, moving forward so that other people aren't put in those situations. Another thing I got wrong is I thought Carolyn Manzo was involved somehow in her sister's um, situation where there was a hit out on her sister and her sister's husband and they were beat up. Um, I think it was actually Dina's ex who was involved in that and that Dina's ex is Carolyn Manzo's brother-in-law and she wrote like a character statement or something to have the judges go easier on him. Um, I judge her for that. I think that's a really shit thing to do when he may have been involved in abuse against your sister. But, you know, as we know with this podcast, we kind of operate in the gray. I don't look at things in black and white. And, you know, multiple things can be true. Um, Carolyn Manzo was absolutely likely wronged in the scenario and the situation that occurred on Ultimate Girls Trip um, based on what she is alleging. And also, she was a shit sister to Dina. <laughs> and that's my opinion. <laughs> Shouting it with a Tamra Judge voice. So I do apologize for speaking on something that I didn't really have any info on. And I will try to do better in the future. All right. Well, this week, we dive a lot into Vanderpump Rules and a bit on The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. So I did want to take some time to share my thoughts on Potomac and Miami. 
I really am enjoying Miami. So I will be sure at least if not next week, but in two weeks time to spend a lot more time discussing Miami because it is just a stellar season. And if you're not watching, I highly recommend you do. I think it's the best of the franchises on right now. I love the cast. The dynamics are always shifting. It's so interesting and they really do have a sisterhood, which is beautiful to watch. So going into Miami, it was so special to watch all of the women walk into the chapel together and pray, pray for Gertie's health, um, pray for themselves, and to have Alexia share with Gertie how her praying to uh, St. Guadalupe really helped her through the situation with Frankie was so powerful. And it also was so powerful to hear Julia's story about when her son Maximilian died, she did turn to religion and it did not give her answers or comfort at that time. But what did was um, animals. And so how she really leaned on her dog back at that time. And now she really leans on animals. And she says that her farm is really her sanctuary. And I think that's relatable as well. But it was beautiful for all of them to come together, for Larsa to really hold Gertie as she was crying and stating she was scared. She's scared to start chemotherapy. She's scared to fight this cancer. It's terrifying. And I'm glad that she's been able to be open and honest and vulnerable with her castmates, with the viewers, because what she's going through is something that so many people experience. The other real big thing this episode is Lisa signing a settlement agreement with Lenny. Um, He comes in at the last minute and makes a little tweak to it that says that she can't have someone else live with her permanently. And um, all the women were like, he's trying to control you. That definitely is probably true, but also I think in most settlement agreements where one party pays for the other party's housing or part of it, there usually is a stipulation that no one else live in that house besides the remaining um the ex-spouse and the children. So for example, if I was married and my ex-husband was going to pay for part of my condo, he might say, I'll pay for this for this many years or until the kids are 18, um, providing that you don't have another provider in your life, that you don't have someone else living with you or paying for you. So I think that's pretty standard. Um, And, you know, we all know what's happened since, which is that both her ex and her current boyfriend pay for her living situation and she doesn't pay for herself. So it is so frustrating to watch Lisa constantly be a victim in this scenario, view herself as a victim as if she has no power whatsoever. And the, I mean, she's so tied to material things that if she stopped caring so much about those things, I think she'd be able to realize her power. And she would say, okay, I don't need $8,000 from you. I don't need 10000 I don't need 300000 Like, I'll find a way to, you know, care for myself and care for our kids. I think that would make it easier and she would have at least some, I don't know, bargaining chip in this. But it's really all up to Lenny because 
that's where the money is. And she signed a prenup and they're holding it, you know, to it. It's, it sucks. Um, it was also really, really, really uncomfortable watching her and the other women be on that gondola ride and see the huts and people who live in the huts and their dogs, you know, off to the side and making judgments and just stating things as if they know, right? Like, oh, those people, well, at least they probably are happier than we are, right? Even though they're so poor is sort of what they were saying. And assuming that the dogs are sick and dirty, yeah, maybe they're dirty, but, you know, sick? Eh? And that they're not fed and taking human food and throwing it at them? It, It was just really kind of very icky. And the fact that Lisa can't read the room, she just can never, ever read the room. And um, I know that's the mark of a great housewife sometimes. But in this case, I really wish Kiki got up. Um, Maybe she did. Maybe she said her piece and it was cut. But and said, look at like, I grew up like this in Haiti. What you're saying is rude and it's dehumanizing. And please, please stop. You know, but um Man, she's just, she's something else. And, you know, her and Kiki go at it, and Kiki throws an empty juice box at her, and she won't let go that, you know, an object was thrown at her, and that's assault. And, you know, I know Lisa's having a tough time, but every single day seems to be a tough day for Lisa. And I just want her, for once, to put on her big girl panties and, like, I don't know, woman up. Like you're, you know, she views herself as a victim all the time and she's always complaining and I get it. She's going through so much shit, but Lars is right. She's going to lose Jody, her boyfriend, if she can't live in the moment with Jody and if she's constantly living in the past and angry at Lenny. Um, finally, that island of the dead dolls was so, so creepy. And I felt so terrible for Julia, who had obviously a very um, strong reaction to seeing these dolls kind of hanging from the trees. You know, she's been open with all of us, the viewers, about losing her son, Maximilian. And, you know, I'm glad the other women were there to comfort her. And what I really loved was seeing Julia and Marisol get along. And while everyone's screaming at each other on the gondola, Marisol joking that her and Julia should just make out (laughs) while everyone was fighting definitely gave me a laugh. Um, What also gave me a laugh was on Potomac when Giselle decided not to go to Surrey County with Karen and the other women. Karen then extended the invite to the entire party and claimed that the insurance issue that she had from before was no longer a problem because she upped her premium for liability insurance. I just... (laughs) Karen just makes me laugh. Everything about her makes me laugh. I find her just so wildly entertaining. Um, So Ashley, Candace, Wendy, and NECA go visit Surrey County with Karen. And it's great to see her family again. I really did enjoy the offshoot. Um, I think that was like one or two episodes with Karen's family learning about um, that they were historically slaves at that plantation and that they were actually able to keep the plantation and then 
you know, own it at some point and keep it in the family. And when Karen was talking about being the great, great granddaughter of slaves with, you know, tears in her eyes, that's just so moving. And I love when we get to hear and see these stories. Um, That's what's so powerful. And it's why it's so frustrating that not all the women will come to film with each other, because we don't get to the full effect of all the stories and all the camaraderie, you know, that they could have. Um, Oh, man. Um, NECA invites everyone to her house uh, in the future. And Wendy kind of refuses. Wendy is not interested in making up with NECA. It's it's so obnoxious to see how bothered Wendy is, especially since I think Wendy's the one in the wrong. She found out that Neko was going to be cast. She didn't want there to be another Nigerian woman on the show because I think she thought there was only room for one and this was their way of like outsting her. And so she, instead of being open and getting to know Neko, which would have been a positive, and then it would have been a completely different season, she, you know, was talking shit about her, got her husband to unfollow NECA's husband on Facebook. Like, it's just, it's so obvious to me that that's what happened. Now, did NECA handle it correctly when she started talking about, you know, what was it, spirits or shrines? No, she did not handle that well at all. But I do believe that it all came from Wendy not wanting to be open to NECA being on the show. And let's say NECA was eager to get on the show, that she was, you know, vying for it. Okay, so what? It's the same show you're on. Didn't you try and get to be on it at one point? What? Why can't another woman try and get on that show? So it's very it's frustrating to see that. Um, Giselle and Ashley are starting an athleisure line. I'm sure that will be interesting. <laughs> um, and then the last thing is the editors seem to be really setting up a storyline on Mia divorcing Gordon because they keep showing like a few small clips over and over. And we know that in real time, she has separated from Gordon and is actually engaged to someone new, I believe. So we'll see how that all unfolds. <laughs> and then finally, um, a couple things on Beverly Hills. So didn't talk as much in this episode about Erica Jane, but, you know, she gets very drunk and it is, you know, somewhat humorous when she says Merce is in the purse. I mean, I laughed. (laughs) I didn't know what else to do. She is so, uh, she's not drunk very often. And so we don't really get to see the side of her. But I do feel that she was drinking because she was mad and angry at the women for not saying, oh, you know what? My bad. I was wrong last season when I questioned you about the earrings. And um, me and my guest Lindsay talk about that a little bit. But, you know, I just want to shake Erica and be like, you're winning people over again. Stop going back. Stop trying to relitigate stuff. None of us think that you are a criminal and that you were the mastermind behind Tom Girardi and what he did to these victims, but you haven't really shown a lot of empathy. But we'll see. There's apparently a Hulu doc coming out, uh, you know, follow up to The Housewife and the Hustler that shows Erica with the victims. So 
We'll see how that goes. All right. My guest this week is so fantastic. I have Lindsay Lime on, and you know her as Vanderpod Recaps on Instagram. She posts recaps of a lot of the podcasts, including pretty much all of the Vanderpump-related podcasts. When any of the cast are on podcasts as guests, she's able to recap those by actually typing out the transcripts um, of these podcasts. And it really helps people who have hearing loss and um, others who just aren't able to spend time listening to 100 podcasts. Um, And she got into it. It's really cool how she got into it when she had her son. And you know, when you have a little baby, you spend a lot of time alone with just you and the baby while you're feeding them and stuff. So that's when she kind of really got into it. Um, Excited for you all to hear from her. All right. Uh, As always, if you enjoy this podcast, go ahead, leave it a five-star rating and write a kind review. And if you have any constructive criticism, you know, you can reach me at Mandy Slutsker on Instagram. Also, if you have nice things to say, you can reach out to me at Mandy Slutsker on Instagram. I do enjoy hearing from you guys. All right. We're going to take a quick break and then back with Lindsay Lime. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hi, everyone. I am here with Lindsay Lime. She is Vanderpump Recaps on Instagram and um, Additional War 8759 on Reddit. Is that right? <laughs> well, it's Van, it's you're close. It's Vanderpod Recaps on Instagram. Oh, and then the Additional War I have that. is, yep, you got it. I have that written down and I said it <laughs> differently. What did I you're say? You're totally fine. You just said Vanderpump, which is normal. I mean, <laughs> it's totally fine because it is Vanderpump, but technically no, they count, I guess, as Vanderpod. <laughs> I have it written down correctly. This just so shows how much Lisa Vanderpump has like infiltrated our brains in that like anytime, <laughs> honestly, anytime I type a V into my like text messages, like Vanderpump is one of the three options for... <laughs> finishing it's She's really everywhere it's, it's, anyways so Lindsay types recaps of bravo podcasts with a big focus on vanderpump rules and i found her because she recapped my podcast i did with terry maloney and i i'm just so excited to have you on how are you doing yes thank you so much for having me on um i'm doing well I loved your episode with Terry Maloney. I'm a big Terry Maloney stan. Oh, she after she's so sweet. After that recap, she followed me on Instagram and she'll comment on some of my stuff and she'll send me like little like I posted, I think, a story one time of my son or something, and then she was like, Oh, like this is so cute, or hope you're doing well. Like she's so sweet. She's such a lovely human being. And Katie's so lucky to have her. And I think Katie knows that, right? Like, what a grounding presence to have in your life to have, like, caring parents, you know, who are not 
reality stars who don't really understand the space as much. But, you know, it was, I just wanted to get to know her, you know, not just through who she is in relation to Katie, but like, who is she? And what has her experience with all of this been like? Because it's probably pretty overwhelming. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was a really good episode to understand how who she is and also how she kind of fits into this dynamic of Vanderpump Rules when she is because she is on the show sometimes. But also she seems she just seems very level headed. And I I enjoy her as a person. So level headed. I really am so interested in all the moms. Because what a unique situation to be supporting your kids who have become these breakout reality stars. And you're trying to support them. And many of them have children. And then you're trying to support their kids, you know, like Lala's mom and Sheena's mom, you know, and and they all kind of hang out together. It's, it's really beautiful to watch. And, you know, we've known these individuals, but as we get to know their families, it's a whole other level of knowing them, you know? Yep, exactly. Um, Well, it's my understanding that you started doing this out just for fun, like typing up the different podcasts. But then people who had hearing impairments were reaching out to you and saying how helpful your recaps were. Like, you know, what has that been like? What an amazing kind of thing to yeah. happen. It's It's been really nice. So I started the account, I had my son in August of 2022. And it was my first time becoming a mom and I was struggling pretty badly with postpartum depression. And one of the things that I was trying to do on top of other things to help with that is to find a sense of like community somewhere or to do something to help. Cause like being a first time mom can feel very isolating. You get nap trapped a lot. And so I started to get on Reddit and then we have March, which is when Scandal broke, right? And yes. so the Vanderpump Rules subreddit was popping. And I loved Vanderpump Rules since the beginning, but this was my first time like on Reddit and exploring that. And this was a time where so much information was coming at us all at once. And I really started to listen to podcasts when I had my son because I didn't really have the TV on. It was just something that podcasts I could listen to. And so for fun, I just started to listen to these podcasts. And at first, I would just do little bullet points here and there. And then as these podcasts kept coming more and more, in some of the casts, the way that they say things and how they say things, it's easier for me just to type out what they're saying instead of me trying to interpret it or summarize, because they truly say some wild things sometimes. (laughs) And so. I and so I started, you know, just typing them out like pretty much a transcript, and people really enjoyed that. And people were because I thought it was just a silly little thing I was doing, but it's crazy how people have reached out to me because some people, you know, they use it as kind of a guide while they're listening to the podcast, or they some people just do not like podcasts or look listening to podcasts. Some people have ADHD and it's hard for them to listen to podcasts. And then, as you mentioned, I've had people who are hearing impaired or deaf, who are like, thank you so much. I, podcasting has never really been a thing that I've been into before, but now I've been able to keep up with all this because of your recaps. And so it, it's interesting, like from where it started to here it, here, to where it is now, I didn't, I had no idea it would like become this thing. 
It's so cool to be able to provide that service to people. And I was so interested to get your thoughts, but you already shared them on your Instagram page about how Apple Podcasts is going to actually have transcripts moving forward. But you said there were some, you know, things that aren't as like some of it's amazing, but they don't say who's speaking at the time when there's people speaking over each other. They don't get it like certain thing there. It's not a perfect science at this point. Is that right? No. Yeah, exactly. And I think we live in a world now where AI, right? So as far as like things being accessible, I think this is a great tool. It has a lot of flaws though. So for people who want to just look at like certain points in a podcast or go to different um, points of conversation, search for key terms, it's great. But you couldn't, I couldn't go on there and just copy the whole thing and just be like, here you guys go. Everyone would be like, what, who's saying what, this doesn't make sense. A lot of the words um, are misspelled or it doesn't say, you know, Sheena's saying this and then Lala says this. And it misses a lot of, like you said, if people are interrupting each other or if people have a side comment, it does not pick up on that, which sometimes those are like the true things to pick up on in a podcast, especially with these Vanderpump casts, because those side comments can mean something. And so it's by no means perfect. I think it's a great thing. But, and I also learned that people who have the podcast, they can go in and enter their own transcript. So if they wanted to put so-and-so said this, so-and-so said that, they could. I don't know if a lot of people will because, again, that would be another thing to do. So it's a great tool to have, but there definitely is still a lot of, like, cons with it. But it is exciting because it is – I've been playing around with it, and it is helpful in some ways. But honestly, it's sometimes just faster for me just to type it up. (laughs) And I I learned about it because Apple Podcasts sent me an email saying they were going to start doing this. Oh, okay. Otherwise, I would never have known about it, truly. Yeah, right, right. Um, I'm wondering, before we get into Vanderpump Talk, because you've been doing this and you've been gaining a following, have you interacted with anyone at any of the casts, um, whether it be Housewives or Vanderpump Rules, like as a result of posting these recaps? Yeah, so Ariana has commented on my stuff before, and she said... Like, oh, I love your recaps. And I went to her Chicago show. Not like the, I know she's on Chicago Broadway, but she had a book tour show in Chicago. So I went to that one. And I went to her meet and greet and I was so nervous and so excited to meet her. And since I knew she knew of my account, I like said who I was and her face was just so priceless. She was so so, so sweet. And the person was taking photos the entire time. So I got like all of our like interactions with each other. And she was just like, you do the Lord's work. Like, how do you, she was just beyond, beyond kind. So I've interacted with her a little bit. I know I've interacted with her a little bit on Instagram. Sheena has commented um, on my posts before. And then Katie will say things like, you know, I read a recap, but there's a lot of other amazing Bravo accounts that do like we all do things similarly similarly but different and so I never you know you never know exactly who they're talking about unless they actually like tell you so I've interacted with a few people and all my interactions like I said with Terry she's so sweet oh my god so people have just yeah 
I know. So people, like I said, those interactions that I've had with just a few of the cast members have been have been great. That's so cool. It's, you know, they're just people too, right? <laughs> like we're people and they're oh, yeah. people and there's so much in common. And I'm sure with the cast, they don't have time to sit around and listen to every podcast that but they want to know what each other are saying so they can react exactly. in the way that they're you know supposed to, especially on like the after show or, you know, things like that. And so I'm sure it's actually quite helpful to have an actual transcript, not just what you think about the podcast, but what was just what was said. Yeah, exactly. Yep. And speaking of podcasts, I just have to get your thoughts on this week's podcast with Tom Schwartz and Tom Sandoval on The Vile Files, because I listened to it. I did not watch it. I listened to it. And I have a lot of thoughts, but I want to hear yours first. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I can't wait to hear your thoughts, too. So I listened to it first, and then I watched most of it. And it... It is truly one of the most like unhinged interviews I have seen. It was extremely messy. At, after reflecting on it, and a lot of people have talked about this, and it's just my opinion and obviously alleged, I don't think Sandoval was in his right state of mind. I don't know if he, it seemed like he had been partying the night before and maybe into the morning because Kristen said on her podcast this week that Luke actually told her, Luke is her boyfriend for the first time that he went over to Sandoval and Arena's house. And the night before the vile, the vile files podcast. So it sounds like they were up. Yeah. So apparently Luke was at a bar with a friend. He then, um, Kyle Chan and Tom Sandoval, they came out. They just happened to be there. They all started hanging out. And then Luke, they're all like, we should go back to someone's house. Sandoval and Ariana's house was the closest. So they went back there. So they were clearly, you know, partying the night before doing something. And so I think Sandoval, I'm guessing, did not get much sleep or if any sleep. So he comes into Nick Vile's podcast and it is just, I almost reflecting on it, think that maybe Nick should have been like, hey, we need to take a pause. Like, Sandoval, are you okay? Like, what is going on? Because he clearly did not seem well. And just the his demeanor and his anger, he had so much anger during this podcast that it was just like, at what point do you just be like, okay, we need to cut this interview and be like, what is going on? Because clearly he was not okay. And Schwartz was trying to speak for him. And that never goes well. And so listening to it in real time, it was just like, this is this is a mess. They were arguing back and forth about Tom being late. But Nick was, he said Nick was late to his <laughs> podcast. And it was like, that was truly like, what, 30 minutes of the podcast was them arguing over who was late. So it was just, it was really messy. And I'm not a big sandoval fan by any mean but i don't like to watch someone spiral like that and it just it i i'm guessing he was really nervous for this podcast because nick vile has been talking about scandal for you know since it broke and has had a lot of opinions on it 
And so I, I don't know if he was just nervous, but it just, it went downhill and it went downhill really quickly with that podcast interview. That's so interesting to hear you say that you think he was like, he did seem like maybe to be on something or I don't know. I'm not gonna say alleged. It's just like what I witnessed. But um, what I found interesting is that Nick Vile was like, I've had these conversations privately with Tom. Like, he knew what I was going to be asking all of that stuff. And he this is sort of how he feels about it. Like, this is really how he feels. Now, you know, <laughs> those of us who have a job where you have to be at a place at a certain time, and if you're late, it impacts everyone else who works with you, don't really have as much, I don't know, like if you're professional, you're just, it's hard to give some slack to those who just refuse to engage professionally. And this was a professional commitment, and he was supposed to be there at a certain time. It's not just like, oh, we're going to hang. This is a recording, it's at a studio, you know, it, and so I just don't think Nick, he was like, okay, well, we're going to do the recording whether or not you're here. So if you want to show up, we'll just keep recording. And I don't need to take any, you know, um, breaks for you or like this is we're we're not on Tom Sandoval time, we're on regular time. And I understood that. So I, I because I didn't physically see it, I don't know how bad Sandoval looked, but it sounded like he was wearing sunglasses and he had said that he was crying the night before because he saw a picture of his friend Ali who, you know, had passed away in May. And so I I don't know how much of that is I don't know, related to the death and he was was he really up crying. What I gained from this podcast is that he is an actual, like the actual definition of gaslighting is what we witnessed in real time, where he said to Nick, well, you were late for my podcast, which is the whataboutism. And then Nick was like, I was not late to your podcast. And Natalie said, listen, I've got a text that Nick sent me at 6.52 p.m. that said, hey, just finished recording at Tom's house, heading to Whole Foods. So he probably started and got there at 5.30 p.m., which is exactly the time they had agreed upon. But Tom yep. Sandoval like, made it up in his head that it was a different time, that he was waiting for Nick. And then after the podcast was done and they um, shared their thoughts the week later or a few days later, they had said, Nick had said, I really believe that Tom Sandoval believes he's right. Like, and that is what's so frightening is that his, in his mind, he's always right and he remembers things entirely accurately. But we found him not to be a very reliable narrator of his own life. Yeah. Well, and, and Natalie, even like you said, brought receipts and he still was doubling down and not saying, oh, you're right. I thought you were late, but you weren't. And Nick even said, it's actually scary to me because I truly believe that you believe this when it's not not true. So that whole, and Nick even said, like you you were truly seen in that moment, him trying to gaslight Nick. So I'm of the belief of he's probably done this with multiple people before. But what's sad is that he actually believes what he is saying, even if you can show him here's the proof that what you're saying is not true. He's like, no, like that, that's not it. He was very much arguing with Nick and he would have kept doing it if they would have kept going. 
And so that was just so interesting to me. And I, I try to think like you said about like, you know, time and being professional and Schwartz even said, you can, as a person, if you don't respect time or like have a concept that, okay, but you have to respect other people's time and you were supposed to, you know, be there at a certain time. And it's interesting because I think about if I was Nick in that moment, because Nick could have cut out a lot of that interview, but I do think he chose to keep a lot of stuff in because he was like, oh, I have an episode here. But I try to wonder if I was doing the interview again I have to think I would maybe just seen Sandoval because watching it Sandoval like you said he has sunglasses on he has dirty pants on his pants are dirty he just looks unwell I just I feel like I would have been like hey maybe we need to like do this interview a different day but that's also not fair to Nick because I'm sure he has it in his schedule so it's just an interesting just overall, just that whole podcast in itself, just there were so many interesting layers to it. It just showed, you know, the how believable Sandoval can sound when he's like, dude, you're late. Dude, yeah. are you kidding me? Yes. Are you kidding me here? And it would make one question their own sanity. Like, do, do yep. I question whether or not the timestamp on my text is accurate? Like, Am I misremembering? You know, he's so good at that. And then he's also just so Mm -hmm. selfish. And I know most reality stars are selfish because they're made that way. They are constantly asked about themselves and they get like an inflated sense of self-importance. Like everyone's interested in me. I am, you know, the main character in this story kind of a situation. But for him to be so selfish that he just doesn't think about how any of his actions impact others is... It's just a shocking thing to witness, you know, and it's also shocking to see Tom Schwartz make excuses and he doesn't do that for other people. He didn't do that for Katie when they were married. He didn't do it. You know, he doesn't do it for everyone. But for Sandoval, he's got a weak spot and he's like, the world doesn't understand Sandoval. When we talk behind closed doors, he admits that he's been wrong. He talks about what he is trying to change. But then when he's on a public platform, he can't, he gets defensive. And I'm like, well, (laughs) Nick had all of these private conversations with Sandoval, it sounds like when they were um, filming whatever that, what's that show they were on? Special Forces. Special Forces. And, you know, he's like, he's not that different (laughs) behind closed doors with me you know so it's just um it's just wild to see and and it makes you wonder how much it impacted ariana and their relationship because he's just constantly making you question everything you know yeah yeah and and nick wasn't even so sandoval knew the questions beforehand and Nick wasn't even asking like hard hitting questions. It was a lot of like, what will you do differently? Or how are you feeling now? It wasn't anything. They barely, I think Rachel's name maybe got mentioned once and that was from Sandoval. He wasn't asking these loaded questions. And that's the big takeaway from the interview is it wasn't really, not a lot of new information came out, but what is everyone talking about? his anger, his demeanor, his blaming everyone else 
but saying he's not blaming everyone else, but that's what he's doing. And it, it is just, I, I really wonder how that interview would have been different if he came with a full nights of sleep and if he was on something or if he was hung over, I think we would have gotten a different interview. But the thing with Sandoval is he says a lot of the same things. Like his anger towards Ariana is not the, it's not new. He said before the similar things, but just the way he said them and his demeanor really amped it up. So you were just like, "Whoo!" That was the, that was a lot to see before, like then the actual premiere of the shows of season eleven because they were on the same day. Like that, from going from that to like the premiere, it was such a like a difference because you had this like hyped up podcast and then the premiere was pretty chill for the most part yeah so it was just like it was a it was a lot that day (laughs) yeah sandoval wasn't even in the premiere you know it's no right it's just wild that he believes what he believes right that you know um that he was the one that was kind of mistreated in the relationship which maybe there are aspects of that that are true but then it always goes back to so what did you do about it you know, and then Nick yep. asked him, you know, when he was saying Ariana's being unreasonable about the house, she's angry, she's spiteful. And he said, do you believe you're entitled to her reasonableness? And it's like no yes. one had ever asked him that before. And he had never considered whether or not he's entitled to her acting reasonable, you know, and and being the yeah. quote unquote bigger person, which I don't even think that's a thing. In this scenario, she's just no. acting in her own financial self-interest. So anyways, we should probably yeah. get into yeah. the premiere of season 11. So tell me if you think I'm accurate, because I know that you pay a lot of attention to time. And what I find so interesting is the timing of this episode. So the reunion was filmed in late March of season 10. And that was three weeks after the scandal broke. At this point, I went back and counted, there were seven episodes of season 10 that had aired. So they hadn't seen what each other had said about each other, right? And they hadn't seen scenes that they weren't filming in. And so um, then we've got the reunion airing uh, May 24th, 31st, and June 7th. And I believe June 7th is when they saw that final interview with Rachel, where she admits to lying about the timeline, and she cries, and that. And then this filming, I think, for this uh, premiere started right after Ariana's birthday, because of those flowers in that beginning scene. And that's June 24th. So I'm guessing that there's been probably two weeks, maybe three in between when they saw Rachel's confessions and when the cameras picked back up. Does that sound accurate? No, I, you're right. And I, I think for some reason, I thought they filmed the reunion in May. But no, you're right. Scannable happened March 3rd. They filmed the reunion. I just looked it up. It looks like March 23rd. So then so they filmed that and then the obviously the episodes had to continue airing. So and they picked up cameras for season 11 mid end of June. So really, yeah, there was only this two, yeah, two week period of them finding out even more information. Right. And then watching the final episode of the reunion with Rachel talking about how Sandoval and her told her that they need to have like 
the timeline, their own timeline to tell people. And then you had secrets revealed. So there really wasn't a lot of time before they started filming season 11. Right? I think they just, you know, we imagine that they've all gone through all of their emotions by this point and should have processed everything. And so we're annoyed because we've been dealing with this for 10 months, you know, and why are we still talking about it? But this is only a couple months after it happened. And then it's a couple weeks after they still get it, got all the information about what happened. So um, let's talk about Tom and Ariana's living situation. So they communicate via Tom's assistant, who, funny enough, his last name is Maddox. (laughs) Yeah, I know. That's so funny. It's a different spelling and Maddox. I think she recently left working for Sandoval to start a podcast, I think under Nick Vile's network, maybe called We Signed an NDA. Have you listened to that at all? I did. So it is a little confusing. I So Schwartz on the Vile file said that Sandoval's assistant resigned the previous week and everyone thought that was Anne. However, Anne tagged me in something because someone made a comment on my post saying, oh, I didn't know Anne resigned. So she screenshot that and posted on the We Signed an NDA podcast Instagram saying, I believe this was an assistant that he had, another assistant that he had that resigned. And she was like, I wish I could go into more detail, but trying to figure stuff out. So I'm not 100% sure if she is still working Tom for Sandoval's okay. assistant. Yeah, I have a theory. I, I don't think she is. I think she's trying to like figure out how to navigate talking about stuff, but she still very well could be. But the assistant that Swartz was talking about was not Anne. Still unclear if Anne is actually still working for him. But I did listen to her podcast. So it's her and Amanda who was on the Vile Files before. I think she was she was one of the people on the podcast and maybe Nick's assistant as well. And so the episode itself, it was a night like Anne. I've talked to her a few times. She's very, very sweet. Their podcast is really to talk about what it's like to be an assistant. It's not to tear their bosses down or to release all this like information. Cause obviously there's like a code of ethics with being an assistant to people in the entertainment industry. And so it was just, it was really talking about her experience. Like when she found out about Scandal, she had no clue that Rachel and Tom were doing this. It was a very, very secretive and, Again, she is one of his assistants, and she had no clue. So that's kind of like what the first episode was about. I'm I'm curious to listen to more of it because Anne is very much a part of season eleven. Like we saw her in the first episode, we're going to see her in episode two as well. Oh my gosh, that's so! St- <laughs> I'd be so stressed out if I worked for someone and then him and his partner separated, and I had to continue like communicating in between. Like no one should have to be put in that position. I feel so bad for her that she is the way that they communicate because I don't know, you know, there's all these um, apps for, you know, divorced parents to communicate via an app about the child. If it's just a very Mm -hmm. contentious divorce or situation where they're not able to communicate regularly. So uh, like regularly being via text or phone or, you know, in person, that kind of a thing. Um, It's just, this whole thing is so wild. Uh, we can talk about, <laughs> I mean, do you do you think that they're both doing the right thing by staying in the home? 
I mean, it's, I think it's very easy for me to say, like, how could, how could someone live with someone like Sandoval with after what he did? But I think that's a very, like, surface level way of thinking about it when they both are trying to do financially the right thing. I think Ariana from the start, from my understanding, has wanted to just sell the house. She has not wanted to keep it. She is from the beginning wanting to sell it. Sandoval, I think, is being stubborn and just he wants to keep it because I think he would see it as beneath him now to say if they sold the house and he would have to go get an apartment or do something in the, you know, because this was like their, their dream house. It's a huge house. So I think they have made it work as far as like not having to like interact with each other with the house. But I do think it's getting to the point from my understanding, Ariana hasn't like lived there since September because she was doing dancing with the stars. She stayed in an apartment and now she's obviously in New York doing Chicago. But I don't fault her at all for trying to get a judge involved because she wants to get the process and the ball rolling. And although Sandoval said he gave her this amazing offer of $3.1 million when they got the house, I think, for two, I'm not going to sit here and try to understand all the numbers. But I know that the market, the housing market right now is not great. Ariana said that's a shit offer and I'm sure she's working with a lawyer and there also is this huge component of he took a loan out I think on the house for Schwartz and Sandy so I don't even know how that yeah so that plays that has to play a role in the numbers so he can say Ariana's being petty all she's all she wants but she's entitled to feel whatever emotion she is she has right now especially with the house I would just be easy for me to just sell the damn house. But he, I think is stubborn, but she, but he's seen her as being petty when I think she's actually trying to be financially responsible in all this. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) he seems to just want to get his way all the time. So whatever he wants is most important and everyone else should just comply because that's what he wants. And he thinks he's being reasonable and why won't people just give him what he wants? Why can't we just do it the way? It's wild how he acted like it was the hardest thing in the world to break up with a partner of nine years. Like, you don't know how hard it is. Oh, my gosh. That was crazy. Have you never done anything difficult? Have you never had a conversation that was extremely unpleasant? Have you never been forced to do it via work, in your personal life, with family? Like, you've never. And then I thought back, he never really did that with Kristen either. He just basically let her come to the conclusion that they were broken up. He did not have like a full-on conversation. Hey, I don't think things are working. I think we need to actually separate and be broken up. Like he doesn't do that. And I don't know, it's just wild. Like part of being an adult is having really hard, sometimes unpleasant conversations. So. I know, and even Nick at that one point in the podcast was like, you know, sometimes we have to do hard things and Sandoval got so defensive and he was like, great. Thanks for telling me. Thanks for telling me like, Oh, never heard that before. But it's true. Like sometimes you have to put, you know, your big boy pants on and do hard things, but he just doesn't ever want to have 
I don't know. He seems to not want to have conversations if he thinks it's not going to go his way. So like exactly what you said, it's either his way or no way. And that just should be it in case closed. Oh man. So crazy. (laughs) Just to think about it, you know, (laughs) like if I, I just can't imagine living that way. Now, one thing I'm I'm drawing a parallel with a little bit is in Summer House, we've got Lindsay and Carl. And I think Lindsay was trying to, because she's very upset and she says that she feels blindsided, try and paint Carl as having done something bad by ending the relationship. But I think what a lot of us have view, viewers see is like, wow, he decided to have a real hard conversation. It ended up being on camera. That it may be what makes a lot of people not want to like Carl. That could be it. Sure. Right. But he had the tough conversation. Y- you know, you could argue he didn't know it was going to go that way. You could argue that he thought it would go a different way. Right. But he did that rather than stepping out of the relationship, cheating, you know, doing terrible stuff. He manned up and he had the tough conversation. And so It'll just be interesting to see how viewers react to what he did versus what Sandoval did. Because I was at BravoCon and I got the impression that Lindsay was really hoping Carl got booed. That's the impression I got. And Carl was terrified of a negative reception. He, I had a talk with him. Like, I think he just was in a really rough spot in his life after the breakup. And you know, having all these articles keep coming out over and over. It wasn't just when it happened. It was constant for months and months and months, questioning his sexuality, his sobriety, his family. And, you know, he just thought people would just hate him. And, you know, I just don't think it's easy to withstand the amount of online hate. But it didn't seem to be that way. People were just kind of like, oh, there's Carl, you know? Yeah. Well, and and you would think, like, where would we be? We'd be in such a different place if Sandoval did just have a conversation with Ariana. And actually, he said he kept trying to have conversations. And even Ariana has said, yes, they had many conversations, but then they would be fine. And then he, they would be, you know, sleeping in the same bed. Like, everything was fine. But if he had a conversation like Carl that was like, this is not working. We need to break up. Obviously, this would have had to happen before he had a seven-month-long affair. But we would be in such a different place. But Sandoval, I just, I don't think he's capable of having those tough conversations. Yeah, I just don't think he is. <laughs> uh, <laughs> speaking of interesting and conversations, a lot of people had a really strong reaction to Sheena and her saying that she developed um, obsessive compulsive compulsive disorder and was starting medication, um, which I thought was pretty vulnerable to share, but also wasn't shocked because she talked about this on her podcast a lot. As someone who I think has listened to her podcast probably more than I have, like, can you shed any more light on what she really meant by, like, Scandival had an impact on her? Because they just made it sound like she was making it about her, which she kind of was, but they didn't really give it much screen time. No, and I think it's, again, it's very easy to just be like, oh, Sheena's just, you know, worrying about herself. But there is a lot more to it, particularly with her being open about 
being diagnosed with OCD. So on her podcast, she has talked about like when she had summer moon, her, her labor with summer moon was very, very traumatic. She developed help syndrome. And then, you know, having summer moon, she was having really bad intrusive thoughts as far as like how summer moon was doing. And it just, it kept getting worse and worse. And she, I think has already struggled with anxiety before, but this was like more amped up. And then when you have Scandival happen, obviously Ariana was the one, like this was her relationship, but Sheena was also friends with Sandoval and also friends with Rachel. I don't think Sheena's going up to Ariana all the time being like, oh, this was just hard on me. What was me? But I do think Sheena was affected by this as far as like her friends were involved. She was lied to. Then this all, whatever happened after Watch What Happens Live, her and Sheena, her Rachel and Sheena have very different accounts of what happened. So you have that component. So I think just all of this, it sounds like she went to a therapist or someone, talked to them about what she was going through, and she got diagnosed with OCD, which OCD is very misunderstood a lot of people just think it's oh you like things to be straight in a row or you have to you know flip a light switch so many times when it's a lot more than that it can be these really horrible intrusive thoughts that you have that you cannot get rid of and you maybe start to do things like rituals or compulsions to try to get rid of them and so I think all of that is going on but you know they can't they can't talk about all of that on the show, right? So that's why her podcast is really nice because she's able to give more detail about that. But on the show, you know, she talks about it and then she talks about how Scannable has affected her. And I don't think that's wrong for her to say because I do think it affected all of them in a certain way. Um, and I think, you know, besides Ariana, who is obviously in the relationship, I think next in line to be affected by it was Sheena with everything that happened. Yeah, and it's not just the being affected by, oh, my like good friends have been lying to me, because that's really tough to figure out people you aren't who they thought you were. But then to add the media yeah. component is what I think yes. is like the match on the gasoline, and it's just nonstop. Your you your phone is literally like blowing up everyone's trying to get in touch with you there's so much happening you're questioning your reality because you really thought you knew these people and it's just it's happening on such a large scale plus you know she's dealing with all the issues with being a mom and the difficulties that she has and so when i when they made it be about like she was worried that brock would cheat on her i'm like oh i feel like they're being so dismissive oh because i thought it was yes. mainly about her having these intrusive thoughts about bad things happening to her daughter and that she couldn't and prevent that's what them. it was yeah and that is a yep. very different and she just said she thought everyone had those thoughts right and that everyone thought that way and it wasn't till she started vocalizing yep. it that people were like no that's actually no, that's not how everyone thinks. And that's very, must be very difficult that that's how your brain is right now. Yeah, exactly. And I think even someone on Reddit asked because of what they showed, if you don't listen to everything else that's happening in this universe, someone was like, wait, so Sheena thinks she, or got 
diagnosed with OCD because she was worried Brock was cheating on her. And that is so, that, that was not the full picture. I think that became one of Sheena's worries because there was rumors around that time that Brock and Rachel, something happened there. But that was very, like, a minimal component to the big picture. Yeah. Well, and if you, you know, have friends of over a decade, and then they're not who you thought you were, who who you <clears throat> thought they were, imagine your partner that you've been with only a few years, you know, maybe yep. they're not who you thought they were. And it just kind of, you know, it, to be lied to, especially Ariana, like on that scale, like, how do you ever trust yep. again? You know, your partner, you put everything in it, you, you know, bought a home together, you planned a life together, you had talked through everything. And then they're just not who you thought they were. Yep, exactly. Um, so one of my favorite things about this episode was that they acknowledged that they're on the show. And they broke kind of the fourth wall in a way that I don't think we've seen before, where they actually mention the title of the show in the show itself, mm -hmm. where Lala said, Randall is worried about having Ocean on Vanderpump Rules. And I'm like, is this the first time we've ever heard a cast member say the name of the show they're on? And then that makes it to air. Yeah, I think it might have it might have been this is really cut to like the the scandal finale of season 10 was really the first time we saw Vanderpump rules really break the fourth wall. And I love when shows do that. But Vanderpump has really been a show where they just they have wanted the audience to be like to not think like they were on a real reality show that they were just filming these people's lives. But this very first episode, we had a few moments where they broke the fourth wall and Lala, like you said, literally said, I don't care if oceans on Vanderpump rules. And I thought that was so interesting that they kept that in because honestly, probably a few seasons ago, they would have cut that out. Yep. But I think they are trying to show, I think this, a big part of this season is obviously going to be scandal in the aftermath. But I also think the other cast members were like, hey, we want to show more of our life too. And so I think they kept that in to show more of what is happening in Lala's life and what is happening is a real custody battle right now. Totally. <laughs> it's, it's so interesting. I would argue that the first time they really broke the fourth wall was at the end of season eight, where Jax was like, this is my show, right? Yes. And Lisa Vanderpump's like, this is not your show. This is <laughs> this is my show, you know? And I would argue it's neither of their yep. shows. This is our show, <laughs> the viewers. Right, yeah, exactly. <laughs> we could do without any individual person and it would still move forward as long as we had the majority of the group. Um, and yep. I think, you know, the reason season eight bombed was because they kept trying to keep up this illusion that people are engaged in these restaurants and bars and they're not. They're not all linked right. that way anymore. And so once they finally started just moving forward and letting these people be who they are, it is more authentic and a better story and better to watch, I would argue. Yep, exactly. Um. Just a final few questions. Do you think, uh, before we move on to uh, Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, do you think that Lala reached out to Raquel solely just so that there could be a lifeline for her if she chose to come back on the show? 
That's a difficult question. I think it is a combination of things. I think Lala could relate and could see herself relating to Rachel as far as the isolation aspect. And Rachel saying how she felt like if she betrayed Sandoval, she would have no one. And I think Lala has maybe felt that in a similar way. However, watching that episode, it almost seems like the girls came into the season with a pact of like, we're not going to fight or we're not going to just start yelling at each other over conversation. So it almost seemed like to me, Lala was watching this and being like, this is not going to make a season. So I don't know if production picked up on that and production, maybe, maybe I think production and Lala had a conversation and I think Lala was okay with being the person to reach out to Rachel because one, no one would be expecting it. Right. Everyone I think would have thought it would have been Sheena or someone else. And I think Lala like I said, Lala and production had a conversation and she was okay doing it. So I think a part of it is she could relate a little bit to Rachel, but if I'm fully, if I'm honest with my opinion, I think if Lala truly had all these feelings with Rachel, I think she would have reached out to Rachel before the season aired and she did it all on camera. Yeah. So to me, I think that says something. Yeah. And I also think Ariana's response, which wasn't that of like, that much anger or frustration is like, Oh, I get it. You're trying to, you know, make this show work. And I have no interest in that. I'm just going to be myself, but you can go ahead and do it. And you know, I get why you're doing it. That's what I took from it. Exactly. Are there any other? Oh, you know, what? one final question. So when Mm -hmm. we saw the preview of this season, I thought, oh, crap, I think what's going to happen is the audience is going to turn on Ariana because we've had eight more months or whatever it is or six more months to process what's happened and we're exhausted by it, right? But we're going to watch her do this like in the past. So where she's at now isn't necessarily where she was when she was filming. And so I think people are going to get frustrated at her like refusal to just be around certain people and to interact kind of the same way that Candace and um, Giselle are getting crap because they refuse to film with each other. You know, it's, Mm -hmm. it gets frustrating as a viewer. It's not as enjoyable. I think people were giving Ariana, like she had everyone's support, but I worry that it's gonna kind of fade away. What do you kind of anticipate the viewers reaction to her to be? Well, we've already seen, at least I've seen on Reddit and Instagram, people who are, oh, we've Ariana's milking this, or we've seen too much of her, or she she isn't really that upset because she still lives with Sandoval, which again, I think is not looking at everything that's happening. And I think she can't win either way, because let's say she went into this season and was just like, you know what, everything's fine understandable let's film together people then would be like this isn't what you're already filming with him this wasn't real then this was all set up she again either whatever she does people are going to have opinions on it like with any of them but I really admire that she came in this season and was like no these are my boundaries and people aren't gonna like that same with like in early seasons when Stassi didn't want to film with Jax right 
she got some pushback on that too. And Jax was like, why can't she can't even be around me? And so, you know, here's Sandoval, who I think really would have filmed with Ariana, but that is just because he's trying to create or go back to this reputation, this good reputation that he had before Scandival. And so, unfortunately, I do think some of the audience is going to look at Ariana's behavior and not understand, as we mentioned earlier, the timeline and really how close this is. But also, it is okay for her to have boundaries because not a lot of them do on this show. And it's okay for her to be like, no, I don't want to film with him. I don't want to be around him. It was all still so fresh. And I think she is in a different place now that we're what in February. But I don't think people will try to understand that and just look at it like, you know, just they're watching the show and just be like, she should just be over it by now. She should just film. Because from an audience perspective, right, we we watch reality TV for messiness sometimes and we want to see that conversation between ariana and sandoval and i do think we'll at least have one of those conversations like we saw in the trailer but if there's really is their real life what we're watching and she has those boundaries set then that i personally think that's okay but i know not everyone's going to think that way so it will be interesting and i think i think the show in the first episode I was already trying to set up like who's gonna like what are people's thoughts with Ariana like the slow motion of her dancing and -hmm. everyone cheering around her was very intentional to show so they I think this season they are going to want the audience to think more about like hmm you know is Ariana just is she being as Sandoval likes to say petty I don't see it that way but I think the audience is going to view things differently this season it'll be interesting to see because the thing that's different about these reality shows than is in people's normal lives is in your regular life if someone upsets you you don't have to ever see them again you can literally just exactly but if you're on a cast with someone that hurts you you're still on that same cast and part of your job is to show up and be near them. And that's just not a normal human interaction. That's not a normal thing. Usually you have more agency. And so it allows people to move past things that like you normally wouldn't move past a lot of the housewife shows and and some of the other stuff. Um, Speaking of housewife shows, wanted to get your thoughts on this week's Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. I know, I think you recapped um, that Denise Richards was on Jeff Lewis Live recently, and she alluded to the idea that at Kyle's weed dinner that the chefs may have put drugs in her food despite her ordering zero THC in her food. Uh, (laughs) What do you think of all of that and the backlash that she got from the chef. So I actually, I, I personally didn't recap that, but I did listen to that and read like what other people said about it. I think that is such, that is a person's business and I'm sure they have to, with what they do with like do using THC have to be so careful. And around that table, they said, you know, how many milligrams do you want? And some people said zero. Some people said one, whatever so then for her to say I think they did put something in what you know whatever they were eating or drinking 
that is a loaded statement to say when this is a real business. So I don't, I'm not surprised by the pushback that she got and by the chef coming out and being like, you can't, you can't say stuff like that. It seems like she didn't want to, I guess, be accountable to how she behaved and that maybe she did something to make herself behave that way. She had said that she wasn't feeling well. She had a fever. She took cold medicine. She drank that those two things didn't go together very well. Um, so why she doesn't need to say anything else. Like, why, from my opinion, I'm like, why are you then, you know, making it seem as if it was marijuana? You know, wh- whatever. She just doesn't seem to want to take any accountability for anything, <laughs> in my opinion. And I'm no, frustrated she, with her. No, she doesn't. And clearly she was not okay that up that whole dinner party. She had her jacket upside down. She was slurring her words, never forget when she said thank you and then you're welcome right afterwards. So she obviously was not okay. So I think maybe like she might be embarrassed by her behavior. So she's trying to look at outsources of like why she acted that way. But you can't just say you think they put something in her food when again, like this is a real business. And as the chef said, like that is something they that is something they don't do. They could lose like their whole license or with their job if they did that. Yeah. It was so reckless of her to do that and say that. Um, So on this week's episode, we see it starts with Crystal's health crisis. You know, her veins are popping out. She feels nauseous. She brings up that her family has a history of high blood pressure and the Anne Marie kind of steps in as a nurse and, you know, they call an ambulance. I mean, what did you make both of like, what happened, but also the women's reaction to like, oh, she's at Anne Marie's, you know, like her life is in Anne Marie's hands was sort of how I felt like Kyle was making it seem. Well, and then it's, uh, I know there's a lot of backlash right now with Anne Marie. Like, I don't think I've heard one positive thing from people talking about her. So it's, I think, nice that, you know, Anne Marie was in there in that moment. But as far as, like, Kyle acting like it's like, oh, here's this rescuer in this moment, I don't know. It's hard. It's hard for me to take all that in because we've just seen before Anne-Marie, this was a moment where she was, like, helpful but then we've also seen her, like, as far as, like, her talking about, like, the esophagus, like, she keeps talking about Sutton's esophagus and, like, pick kind of picks and chooses as far as, like, with her nursing degree, which is a very, like, high degree, right, with, like, what she does. But just the way she talks down to people on it, I don't know. It just, it all gives me the ick. <laughs> yeah, everything about her pretty much gives me the ick at this point. But yeah, it was yes. really scary. I'm glad, um, you know, Crystal's <clears throat> dealing with it. And it was nice to see all the women support her and care for her and realize yeah. that this was a legit health crisis. You know, because sometimes it's yes. not really a crisis. It's just like, oh, you took a Xanax and had a bad reaction. Like Vicky, right. when they were in Iceland, and she put <laughs> the, she put a sheet over her head <laughs> when the ambulance came, <laughs> you know? And that's, oh, yes, someone she, yes. <laughs> so funny. And that wasn't like a crisis crisis, I don't think. Um, you know, but this right. was very uh, serious. So um, we got to see, you know, them all be in this, 
church and kind of, you know, think about things. And, you know, in the last episode, we saw that um, Erica Jane really was hoping that the women would apologize to her for questioning her about the earrings last year and to say they were wrong. And it seems like as this trip goes on, she's getting more and more angry and frustrated with her castmates for not acknowledging what she wants them to acknowledge. I mean, do you think she was in the right to say that? Do you think she's misguided? Do you think that's why she got drunk? (laughs) I don't see that is so with Beverly Hills, I have it's the housewives that I've seen the most of, but I took a few years off of it because especially after like Puppy Gate and all that, I was just like, where is this show going? But I've been very much able to keep up with as far as like Erica Jane and her um, her marriage and divorce and then all the legal stuff that's happening with it. So as far as like the earring, like the, the earring stuff, I have a very like surface level knowledge of that. But from my understanding, with all the information that was coming out and all the legal stuff, I don't really fault the women for not understanding what was all happening or maybe not taking what Erica was saying as like serious or them, them having questions. It seems like the ladies always had a lot of questions for Erica and Erica wasn't always really able to answer them. So I don't really fault that, but if Eric, but I also, if Erica, what is she saying is true. I can also understand her frustration if she feels like the women aren't, um, have said things about her or they aren't believing her. I kind of, I can kind of get that aspect too. Yeah. I think she's thinking that the women thought she was actually responsible for what happened to the victims of Tom Girardi. That's how I feel like she's behaving. Like, okay. I didn't know what he was doing. I And none of the women are saying we thought you knew what he was doing. We're just saying once you found out, your behavior was very odd. You weren't trying to rectify it. You... Um, you right. know, knowing that these earrings were likely purchased. And I think factually they have found where the money was from. And it's, I don't think it's Tom Girardi's money, right? Um, and yeah. so I feel like it was a yeah. technicality that she was able to keep them. Not that, oh, yes, this money was like earned, you know, by him and he spent it, like that kind of a thing. It just, no one's, yeah, I just want to like shake her and be like, Erica, no one thinks... <laughs> You carried out the scheme. I mean, some people do, but most people don't. The, the, these women are just like, why can't you show basic empathy? And I think that's what her therapist in that first first episode of the season. She did. She was yes. like, you have to show some empathy. <laughs> no, she literally said like that empathy is something she struggles with. So I can, I can understand the women in questioning that. But I can also, I guess, understand like Erica's point of her. I think Erica's very defensive when it comes to the whole her and Tom and what she, you know, what she knew and what she didn't. She just wants people to just take her word for it. But I think a lot of information about that case comes out and people get confused. Yeah, it's just... It's messy. It's just like, can you show basic empathy? It'll be interesting to see the Hulu series that comes out, which is her with the victims. 
Oh yeah, I haven't. I've heard about that, but I haven't seen like a tr- if there's a trailer for it. I haven't, I haven't seen that been either. able to watch that yet. Yeah, no, yeah, I haven't seen that, but that'll be real interesting. Um, what I feel like yeah. was the big crux of this episode was really learning a lot more about Sutton and who Sutton was before she became Sutton Strack. You know, like she was a twenty-something-year-old girl, a dancer living in New York City. You know, the people that she was friends with, the kind of life that she had, and then who she came to be after getting married. And it was just so fascinating to get to see that part of her. And and yeah, I feel like I know her better now and understand her better now. I mean, what do you make of her as like a character on the show? As a housewife, you know, do you feel like this episode kind of illuminated her a bit for you? Yeah, I really, I really enjoy Sutton. I think she, as a whole, I think each episode we learn more and more about her. And again, as someone who took some years off of Beverly Hills, I, I enjoy listening to her, especially about her family piece. Like that one episode a few episodes back when she was talking about her father who died by suicide. And when Kyle was having that event, just hearing Sutton talk about how, you know, she was supposed to be at her dad's house a few moments before he died, just hearing her and then her talking about like her dating life and then her divorce. I think she's a really good quote unquote character to have in Beverly Hills. And I enjoy watching her. I mean, Naaman is the huge thing of the season, <laughs> but I think I just I enjoy watching her and her dynamic with Kyle has been so fascinating this season. And so um I know I feel like there's a lot of conversation around people whether they enjoy Sutton or not, but I personally do. I really enjoy her. Do I always like her behavior? No, she's absolutely cuckoo yes. sometimes. But being <laughs> exactly. able to like get the crux of who she is and that she's just kind of lost after her marriage and she's just trying to get back to being that 24-year-old girl who moved to New York, you know, with a dream is um yep. very relatable and I think a lot of people who've been married and then get divorced are like trying to figure out who they are now that now that they're kids are older and they're just trying to figure out they were always living for somebody else and not themselves. And I loved watching it. Yeah, I did too. Any other thoughts on Beverly Hills? I am excited. I think this has been a solid season so far. It Beverly Hills is so interesting. That's another reason why I kind of took a break because there is somewhat of a darkness with Beverly Hills. Like there's just a lot that happens with these women. So I'm excited for this season to continue. I mean, Andy said something about, you know, cause everyone is really not happy with like Anne Marie. And I forget he said something of like, maybe the audience perspective on her will change as the season goes on. I'm not really sure. And then, the reunion, I don't know if you heard, but some things have came out as far as the reunion. Um, I believe, oh my gosh, Kathy Hilton was there. And um, allegedly, I guess, spoiler alert, that Sutton may have like fainted during the yeah, reunion. Yeah, I heard she fainted and had to go to the hospital. Yeah. But so I, don't know any, reun- I don't know if that's accurate. 
Yeah, and so what, this was episode 14, so we probably, mm, I don't know, Beverly Hill, I know sometimes it could be anywhere from like 16 episodes to 20 episodes a season, so I think we'll have like a few more episodes left and then the reunion, so it'll be interesting to see. I don't really know, Beverly Hills isn't one that I know a lot of like outside information, so I really I really don't know exactly what's all going to happen the rest of the season. Oh, me neither. And you know what? I don't think any of us know because Lisa Wren is not on the show anymore and she's not blabbing oh, so she- to everyone. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like we're pleasantly surprised to see so everything that we're seeing. Yeah. No, I think she was the leak. Uh, it's been pretty yeah. clear because now that she's not on the show, we're not having those leaks. And I love well- shows without leaks. And that's where I'm getting to, where I'm yeah. like, I think they should have more gag orders on these women. I don't think they should be able to do that many podcasts. I don't think they should be able to give quotes to, you know, news outlets regularly. Like, I just mm-hmm. really want them to be more tight-lipped so that we can experience the show as the show. But then, you know, there's also this whole other world of the podcasts and the things that people say in the press and how that impacts the show. So, I don't know. It's, yeah. Well, it's interesting. And we have a whole other layer with this season, too, as far as and I'm and I might be mis 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 remembering, but cameras did pick back up for Beverly Hills, right? When Kyle and Mauricio like announced I heard that they that? were. But I don't okay. know. Right. That was like right around okay. July 4th when they announced that they were separated. And yes. I but maybe the cameras only picked up to capture her family, maybe not everyone else. I don't know. Maybe. Yeah, so that there will be interesting the last episode the, this season as far as are we going to have another moment maybe like kind of with scandal, not to the same like caliber, but you know, 2 months later or a couple weeks later and then it shows the headlines and then it maybe it shows Kyle and Mauricio talking cuz that whole dynamic is very still confusing to me as far as like their separation or how that whole dynamic is working for them. So I'm curious what the show will show us. And then obviously during the reunion, I think Kyle is going to be in the hot seat for a lot of things. And she should be right. Because by this yeah. time she should be able to at least give us some answers we watch, this is her job, you know, good or bad. And, you know, she should share some basic things about herself that are happening. Like, uh, she doesn't have to share everything. But she's always really pushed her castmates to just be honest, just be honest. And it's really important that she's honest with the viewers as well. Yep, exactly. So... Well, thank you so much, Lindsay, for being on the show. Tell everyone where they can find you, where they can find your recaps, um, and anything else you want to plug. Yeah. Well, first, thank you so much for having me on. And you can find my Instagram. It's Vanderpod Recaps. And then um, if you ever see my name on Reddit, it's Additional War 8759. I didn't make up the name and I can't change it, but... (laughs) that um if you you see that name you know that's me oh my gosh does reddit make up i don't know a lot about reddit does it make up a a name for you when you join i guess so so i i've had a reddit for like for not ever but like for a few years now but last year was the first time of me actually like engaging with it so i guess you they just pick a username 
And then, but you cannot change it. Like I have tried, I've tried to change it to Vanderpod recaps or something, something instead of additional war. But, know, you know, it's like especially right now with everything going on in the world. <laughs> Literally, I'm like, oh gosh, people, I don't, I swear people probably, I always say they think I'm a white, old Republican man. And that is just, you know, that's, that's not, that's not me, but it, you know, with, <laughs> Especially with how the world is. I'm like, oh my gosh, people are like, really? Additional war? I'm like, oh my gosh, why Reddit? Why? <laughs> That's so funny. That's so funny to me. Um, well, thank you so much for being on the podcast and for doing all these recaps for everyone, especially, you know, people like me who can't listen to every podcast. To, you know, it took me like three or four days to get through Nick Viles because of like, oh, when I'm did sure. I actually have a moment to listen? So I wonder if I sat and like listened to it or watched it all at once, if I would have a different reaction than just getting 10 minutes here, 15 minutes there. Yeah, I'd be very, if you ever get a chance, if you watched it, I would be very curious to hear your thoughts. Because I will say watching it is a whole different experience. That's wild. I did feel that he was quite rude to Natalie. But I also feel like yes. he just doesn't like women in general. And I've started feeling like oh. when I heard that, um, you know, Terry Maloney mentioned that her daughter has been around him for a decade. She's yes. been around him for a decade. And he's never once acknowledged Terry Maloney's presence ever. Never said hi, anything. And that was the most shocking thing that she shared with me. Because it's wild just to not acknowledge another human being. You know who she is. No, your literally. best friend's mother-in-law. Dr- that's that's what Terry was during all those years. Now ex-mother-in-law. Yes. But crazy. Yeah. For him not to address her and then his behavior as she shared what he really was like, that original finale toward her. And he just doesn't even acknowledge that behavior. And Natalie even said, so this week on the podcast, on Thursday, Nick and Natalie talked about that interview and Natalie was like, I, I just think he hated me. I actually think he hates women. And I completely agree with that. Cause even watching when you watch the interview, the way that he looks at Natalie, like when she talks, he just seems so annoyed. So he very much gives off. I hate all women right now. Yeah. Anyone who questions me, anyone who asks more for more information, even though I agreed to be yes. in this scenario where you're asking me <clears throat> questions, I'm still angry with you. Yes, exactly. And here's a man. So I'm gonna go try and reason with him. Yeah, because <laughs> you're, yeah, you're, you're not one to be yes. reasoned with. It's kind of the, what take I got from just the audio. Yep. 100%. Oh, well, well, thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate it. And we will be in touch. Yes, thank you.